Great morning, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Thank God for Monday. I'm Brother Greg Cellini of the Franciscan Brothers of Brooklyn and Seton Hall University class of 1985. My great pleasure to be back again with you today. The purpose of our show, Thank God for Monday, is to inspire you, our audience, to take personal responsibility for your professional satisfaction. We want to provide you hope, healing, and peace in these unprecedented, turbulent, and uncertain times. Motivate you to search deep inside yourself in the quest for fulfillment. Listeners, it's really up to you as to how to utilize the information we provide today. Take full accountability for the decisions you make and the resulting outcomes. Now, one of the goals of our show, thank God for Monday, is to introduce role models. Role models of people who take very bold steps in their work lives. This is a very special time, as tomorrow, April 17, is Easter Sunday. And as such, we are honored today to have with us a most special guest. Her name is Patricia A. Maley. Pat is the author of the timely and incredible book, The Beauty of a Soul, the story of a soul's journey in the light of God's abundant beauty. Great morning and welcome to Thank God for Monday, Pat. Oh, good morning, Greg. Brother Greg, thank you. Good to see you. Ah, the honor is all ours, certainly. Kindly tell the audience and me from what city and state you're speaking from this morning. Okay, I'm, I'm speaking to you from Bayville, which is on Long Island in New York. Well, where exactly is Bayville? How far out is that? Bayville is probably about 30 miles from New York City. I live on the North Shore. And actually, I'm five houses away from the Long Island Sound. It's a beautiful, beautiful area to live in. You have just made the listeners and this host very, <laughs> very jealous. It sounds like a place of heaven, no doubt about that. Sadly, Pat, we've only got 30 minutes. We could spend hours talking about you, your incredible life, this fabulous, timely book that you've written, The Beauty of a Soul. So we're going to just jump right into the deep end of the pool, if that's okay, because we want to learn a little bit more about you. Where were you born? Were you born out there in Long Island? And where did you obtain your primary and secondary education? Uh, yes, I was born and I've lived my whole life here on Long Island. Um, for the first year of my life, I lived in Glendale, which is part of Queens. And then from age one to nine, I lived in Massapequa. And then from nine till I was married at the age of 20, I lived in um, Searingtown, New York. So it's been quite a, quite a journey here, but I love living on Long Island. My primary education was at St. Aidan's in Williston Park. And then I went to St. Mary's Girls High School in Manhasset. And both sets of nuns at both schools were from the Sisters of Charity, which is Mother Seton's order that she started. It was wonderful. Oh, wow. I don't know if you know our great principal, Brother David Migliorino of St. Anthony's High School out there in South Huntington, but he loves, loves, loves Mother Seton. Of course, this being WSOU, Seton Hall Pirate Radio, 
we have an incredible devotion uh, to uh, yes. Mother Seton, certainly. So uh, isn't this beautiful? You are a product, primary, secondary education by the descendants of Mother yes. Seton, if you will. That is really wonderful. Now, I understand education is very, very important to you uh, because if I understand correctly, after high school, you actually attended the Red Storm. Uh, St. John's University, yes. an associate's degree. Tell us a little bit about that experience, what you studied there, please. Sure. Um, well, my dad had an interest in uh, computers. They were coming to and the four at that time. And so uh, he encouraged me to get a degree in um computer science. So that's what I went for. I got an associate's degree in computer science, one of only a few girls, so mostly boys in the classes, but I managed to get through. Oh, that's wonderful. Certainly. So you earned your associate's degree, and then did you eventually complete your undergraduate education? Did you take a little gap in there? I did take a little gap. As I mentioned, I was married at the age of 20. So wow. at that point, I had to go out and work until I had my daughter at the age of 22. So no, I did not continue my education until my second daughter was in second grade. And then I went to SUNY Old Westbury and I got my bachelor's degree, my bachelor of science degree in elementary education, N through six. I was certified N through six. Oh, that's terrific. That's terrific. And were there a difference did you find between St. John's and then SUNY Westbury there? There must have been some differences for you. Oh, definitely. Um, well, St. John's, of course, being Catholic, it was a wonderful college for me, you know, and I had to take theology and philosophy. So they were important topics to me. Um, but I did enjoy my time at uh, SUNY Old Westbury. I thought it was a you know, really wonderful school. I, got a, I felt I got a great education there. I'm not surprised. We've heard very, very good things about both of those great institutions. Now, if I understand also, again, lifelong learning has been very, very important to you. You've actually achieved some credits toward a master's degree in theology. I don't know if you did that right after uh, Westbury. You waited a bit of time to do that. Share with us about this, please, Pat. Sure. Well, shortly after I graduated in 89 from SUNY Old Westbury, um, I was working in a parish. And um, the pastor there wanted me to possibly uh, teach his adult ed program. So he started me out, um, you know, going to the seminary, the Immaculate Conception. And I, you know, achieved the 24 credits there. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to complete it. As I mentioned in my book, unfortunately, in the early 1990s, my husband and I got divorced uh, and I had to go out and work. I had children to support. So I only managed to get those 24 credits, but it was wonderful learning about my faith and um, some of the credits because they were in liturgy. It was about the Eucharist and RCIA. It was just absolutely wonderful. I enjoyed it so much. So that's what what happened. But, um, you know, God is good. He certainly is. No doubt about that. Now, let's take a step back, if we may, please. So you graduate SUNY Westbury, and then did you go work in the parish from there? And what kind of work were you doing in the parish? If we may okay, ask? well, actually, I was um, teaching for a few years in a Catholic school. Um, St. Catherine of Siena in Franklin Square. Oh. And um, 
you know, as I mentioned, because of the divorce, I had to get a job that paid a little more money, although I would have loved to have stayed in education. And um, the pastor, I was, you know, working with uh, the folk groups and things like that. And he really um, saw something in me and wanted me to possibly consider running his adult ed program. And that's that's what started the whole thing rolling. So, wow. For any of our listeners who might not be familiar with adult education, share with us a little bit, what does this entail? What is this about? Well, a lot of it is helping the catechists and people in the parishes who are forming our children and things to get an education, you know, at a greater level than like most people in eighth grade level. Um, So that was really the goal of the parish was to help to bring um, more people into the fold and to, to educate them you know, more in depth in their, in their religion. So that was his hope for me. That is terrific. Now you're getting all this great education naturally. Are there some other additional memorable aspects of your career that you'd like to share with us? Yes, on, on a whole different, value. yes, sure. On a whole different level. Um, I have a background in music and um, in my home parish, not the parish that I was uh, working in, um, that I was hopefully going to be employed in, but my home parish, my pastor had come in 1980 uh, to start a folk group. And because I had so much musical knowledge, he, he dubbed me director. So from 1980 until three years ago, I was directing uh, folk groups and youth groups and, and children's choirs. It was wonderful. It was a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful experience. And so I was involved very much in every aspect of church life, you know, working with these kids, masses, special liturgies, like, you know, with uh, Good Friday and stuff. It was just a lot. It was wonderful. Now, when I think folk group, because I'm a baby, (laughs) certainly a rapidly aging baby boomer, I kind of think of not organ music, certainly, but more guitars. Yes. Of that nature. Yes. That when you say uh, like folk groups, folk music. So it was more uh, enhancing the liturgy with, with guitar music, if you will. Correct. Initially, when I started doing masses, even when I was in high school, they would call them guitar masses. Oh. They weren't even called folk group. And we had very little music to work with. So we did some things like uh, what the world needs now is love, sweet love, mm-hmm. all songs like that before it became uh, more contemporary and you had better uh, composers who were, were beautiful church music you know it was it was just a great experience oh it it sounds that way because if i perceive correctly this was just a little bit before my time probably yours as well a vatican ii changed the liturgy quite a bit yes and indeed the music also from there uh was able to change and many people say come much more alive certainly uh, with the guitars and with some other instruments as well. Now, I'm very curious, did you always have a love of music? Did, did you play instruments as a little child yes. as you were growing up? Uh, yes, I started at the age of eight taking piano lessons and I took them through most of my teen years. And then at 13, because the Beatles were popular at that time, uh, my parents bought me a guitar and I learned how to play the guitar. I taught myself. And uh, so I was able to do that for all the masses you know playing guitar or piano whatever was needed you know to accompany the music did you say you taught yourself guitar yes i did well my brother actually had classical guitar lessons so he helped me 
learn, you know, but I did teach myself, yes. Wow. It says a lot about you, Pat. There's no doubt about that. Now, speaking of saying a lot about you, let's now turn our attention to this incredible book you've written, The Beauty of a Soul, the story of a soul's journey in the light of God's abundant beauty. What really motivated you to write this fantastic book? Well, um, back in the 1980s, when I started all this music and getting involved in the church, I really had begun a very deep, really mystical relationship with God. God has been very good to me. And um, I started writing. I started writing poetry and short stories and letters to God. And I journaled a lot. I still journal. I don't journal every day, but I journal a lot. And um, through all of this, my spiritual director, um, Brother Richard Contino, saw something in me and in my writings that he felt needed to be shared with the world. So last year in April, I had to have a spinal fusion surgery in the, in the neck, in the cervical spine. So during my recuperation, I was able to read my 30 years of journals, <laughs> go through all that and, and pick and choose things that reflected my life, really, where I was, where I started, where I was going, where I am now, and where hopefully I will be in heaven one day. So um, that's how it really started. I was just very encouraged by Brother Richard to um, go forth and try to write my book. And God is so good. The Holy Spirit just inspired me. It, it flowed so easily. I can't even tell you. It took me about two months to write it. And then brother read it and he wrote the forward for me. And um, here we are. That is so amazing. Uh, the thank God for Monday listeners may know I'm in the process of writing a book, but it's been, I think, two years <laughs> and it's still not completed. Certainly nowhere near being published. So for you to write this in this expedient amount of time, again, just speaks volumes about you, Pat. Now, if we can take a step back, please, because we had a guest on a couple of months ago now, talked about journaling. Mm -hmm. And it's ironic, Brother Richard, being my novice director, many years ago, taught me journaling. And I was a bit reticent at first, but I love it. Share with me about your journaling, what you do, why you do it, some of the things that you write in your journal, if you don't mind. Share with us more for our listeners in particular, please. Sure. Well, I like to really journal with God to pour out my heart to him because, I, you know, we all have our struggles. Every single human being has something going on in life. Sometimes it's very major. Sometimes it's minor, but it's still troubling. So I bring it to God and I pray with God. And I write actually sometimes my prayers to God, what I'm feeling, how much he's moved me. Sometimes it's just praising God thanking him for the day, um, asking him to bless my family. But I sometimes there are scriptures that just speak to me so much. And I have gone into the book a little bit about some of how I journal with scripture. I ask God to open it up for me so I understand what he wants me to learn from my life. And so I will, you know, write about that and share with that with God. And sometimes I get tremendous understandings and wisdom from him. And so that's what I, I love to journal. I really do. I love to spend my time with God 
Wow, this is incredible. So when you mean scripture, are you actually reading gospel passages from the Bible or other things from the Bible? Yes. Wow. So you'll read something from the Bible and then you'll journal based on what you've read. Right. Wow. Exactly. That is amazing. Now, maybe this is a silly question. Do you find as a result, you're getting messages back from God? Yes. Um, I don't know how God works in me. I guess he just somehow I'm able to hear him through my heart. I don't know how else to explain it. And it, it, it comes out in writing. And a lot of that is in my book. It's called the father speaks to me or Jesus speaks to me. Even the blessed mother has spoken to me, but through my heart, it's not that I have visions. It's not that I hear God orderly, but um, it's just this feeling in my heart. And as I'm writing, God's words come out. And it's just a beautiful experience for me to share with people that um, God is so present to us and he just wants so much for us. And so he expresses himself to me in, in beautiful words and how much he loves me. So, um, yes. So it's been wonderful. <laughs> oh, this is so inspiring and so amazing because people have said to me, God's first language is silence. So it appears God is speaking in the silence right through your heart. Yes. Oh, Pat, we are so blessed to have someone of your ilk on. Thank God for my This great book, did you write it for one audience? Who did you really intend this great book for? Sure. Um, the book is intended for the person who is reading. It's directed to the reader. My thought was, in writing the book, I was hoping that God would speak through me to touch the heart of the reader so that the reader, just as God has been so good to me, would, would really desire to have this truly intimate and awe-inspiring relationship with God. And so that's the purpose of the book. I wanted to share with the reader to know that I'm, I'm a little old grandma Living in Bayville, Long Island. I babysit two days a week for my grandkids. Um, But if God can be so good and so generous and so loving to me and to move me to some steps of love for him, why not the reader? So that's what, what I did. I directed the book to the reader. So do I perceive then this book is really geared where someone who maybe is struggling in their relationship with God or someone who has a great relationship with God. I mean, this book is just not for a narrow audience. Anybody literally can pick this book up and get something out of it. Am I perceiving correctly? That is correct. That is the, the desire of my heart. And I believe God's heart that, you know, the words, just like I used to wonder when I was a kid, how could the prophets have written all this stuff in the Old Testament, like Jeremiah and Isaiah and stuff. But I realized God's doing the same thing with me in that he's able to express himself through my writing. So it's the same idea. It's for everybody. Anybody can be touched. I'm hoping and praying by reading the book. I know I have been, no doubt about that. I have no doubt anybody who picks up this great book uh, will be as well. Now, as I mentioned before, I'm a fledgling writer. I know compiling a book is not easy. It sounds like it came much easier for you. Let's peel the onion, though, on this, Pat, please. The process you used, 
you know, did you get up a certain time in the day? Did you write late at night? Did you journal before you uh, wrote? Did you contemplate? Tell us a little bit more about this, please. Oh, probably a little bit of all you just said. Um, but I, I am a morning person, so I'm better in the morning than later at night. I'm kind of tired at night, you know. But, um, you know, I just let God lead me. You know, sometimes there were, you know, like I said, I would just read my journals. And then I, I used my laptop to write those uh, portions of my journaling that I felt would hit on a certain target, like sin, um, forgiveness, um, God's mercy, whatever. And I made little, uh, um, oh, I think folders in my, in my computer under the, the book of the title of the book. And I just would enter them all into these folders where I felt. And then I took the folders, I opened them up and see where I could fit them in with all the writings that I had written throughout my life and the poems and things. And so I just kind of matched everything together and it just flowed from there. I'm looking at the table of contents of this great book. The joyful journey begins, the garden within, pain and sorrow enter in, the Eucharist, the Holy Spirit is upon us and your final chapter entitled My Mission. And I'm very much looking at all of these but pain and sorrow enter in. I perceive you got very vulnerable, Pat, in sharing with us some of the nights, not, not so much things, things, those challenges that came yes. up in your life. Yes. Do you want me to share something on that or not? Yeah, please, or? please. Okay. I think our audience will be inspired as well. Sir. Sure. Well, I think one of the greatest uh, challenges in my life was um, I had two daughters. One was born, my first daughter was born in 75. The other one was born in 78. And I wanted more children. I wanted at least one more. I wanted a son. I wanted to have baseball and all that good <laughs> stuff, bro, you know. Sure. So over the course of seven years, I had two miscarriages. Oh. So in 1985, I was pregnant. And since I had had uh, two C-sections with both of my daughters, they wanted me to have another C-section. And at that time, they were just doing um, the uh, sonograms. They were just coming into being. So I went for a sonogram so they could actually date the baby. By the way, I have to tell you, the due date for my baby was December 25th. Oh, my goodness. So I went in September, late September, mid-September. And I had the sonogram done and the doctor was not happy with what he saw. He said he needed to get a team of doctors in. And um, so I had to go back a few days later and they had this team of doctors do another sonogram. And they found that there were four fatal problems with the baby that the baby would never live. Oh, wow. So it was very difficult for me. Um, the priest in my parish, I spoke with him and he went to the diocesan office and they were able to say to me that since I was already past 26 weeks uh, that I could deliver the baby. And if the baby was meant to live, the baby would live. And of course the baby was still born. So that was wow. one of the most difficult things in my life. And it was a boy. Wow. <laughs> but God bless that in that someone said to me, they said at church, I was going to daily mass at that time in my life. They said, yes, God, what, what did God name this baby? So I asked God and I immediately got the name of Stephen. Oh, 
So I went to church the day after Christmas, December 26th, and that's the Feast of St. Stephen the Martyr. I knew God had blessed this baby. He had blessed my life with my own little saint in heaven, my own little guy in heaven, Stephen. Mm. So even though it was a difficult, difficult time for me, I can't believe how God blessed me with all of that. So it is so, so beautiful, no doubt about it. Now, one of the things you mentioned before is uh, about a spiritual director. And if I understand correctly, it was your spiritual director who actually suggested Booklocker, this great publisher. Yes. Is that true? What happened here? Yes. Um, what happened was um, Brother Richard had asked me to actually write up a book proposal and send it off to some of the Catholic publishers. So I did that. And uh, I waited two months and I did not get one reply. So Brother Richard um, had used Book Locker uh, for one of his books. He's written three, he's on his fourth. And um, he suggested I contact them, which I did. And they, they gratefully just took the book and, and published it. They said it was great. And you know they were honored to have done that for me. So that's how I got the name booklocker.com. So. Oh, that's terrific. Now, we've talked a little bit about your spiritual director, Brother Richard, but for those who don't know, and certainly before I really became a Franciscan brother, I really didn't know what spiritual director or direction was all about. What is a spiritual director? Help us out, please, Matt. Certainly. Well, my understanding of a spiritual director is someone who is able to listen to the heart, mind, and soul of the person, the directee, which would be me in this case, and that this person is able to listen and let God lead him or her to look at my soul, really, to really have an understanding of where I am with God. And based on that, after listening to or having, as we are having a conversation, that um, God uses the, the spiritual director then to help guide me or whoever is in spiritual direction to know if maybe I made a mistake, maybe I'm not really hearing God and what's going on. And then they can gently give me a correction, some way to help me to overcome something. Or um, if I'm doing good, you know, and um, I seem to be on the right path, then it's just an encouraging and a loving, a loving sharing between hearts and souls of the love for God. And so to me, a spiritual director is a way to let me see that I'm not only right with God, but that I'm, I'm doing what God is asking me to do, that I'm living in God's will. And that's really what my goal is. And so for me, spiritual direction has been more than a blessing. It's a sharing of God's love between the two of us in an, in an, in an abundance that I can't even describe, really. It's a beautiful experience. Wow. My perception <laughs> is you then take that love and you share it with the world. You don't hold on. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's so Franciscan. We could either hold on to the good or share the good. You're yes. doing a marvelous job of sharing the good. Have you been in spiritual direction for a bit of time, uh, Pat? Well, over these 30, 40 years, yes. I've had oh. several spiritual directors. I've had Brother Richard about four or five years now. Oh, how lucky you are, no doubt about it. Yes. <laughs> Would you recommend to our loyal listeners that they consider obtaining spiritual direction? I think if someone really is desiring, like I have, to have a, a deep encounter with God, then yes, I think a spiritual director would be good, it would be wise. You know, 
there are people just like us with experiences just like us and that can help see in God's light to help help the person along. Yes. So I would I would agree if they wanted that, I think it would be a wonderful help. Yes. I know myself, I've been going to a spiritual director for several years now, actually different ones because of moves that I've made or they've made. And the one I have now is actually a psychologist as well. And so it almost becomes like a counseling session uh, when I do go see him. But I feel so much lighter uh, as yes. I leave that. So I mm-hmm. should say filled with God's love uh, as a result. Now, Unfortunately, time is getting very short, Pat. We've got a mm-hmm. couple of important questions still to ask you. Tomorrow is Easter Sunday. It's been an incredible Holy Week. Yes. What does Easter mean to you? Okay. Easter really, and I actually took this out from Ephesians, from Palm Sunday's reading, the second reading. Jesus, who was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, coming in human likeness and found human in appearance. He humbled himself, become obedient to death, even death on a cross. And for me, this is the greatest gift that God the Father has given to us, Jesus, his son, who came to live breathe, walk on this earth to show us the goodness of God. And through this wonderful act of self uh, giving, of his giving his all on the cross for us on Good Friday, that he showed us after all the crosses that we go through, and we all go through them, as I mentioned, losing my little baby. When we go through these crosses, we know what Jesus showed us through the resurrection, that there's life, there's love. And this is ours for all eternity. All we have to do is turn to God, love God with all our hearts. And the joy of the resurrection will live, move and breathe in us. And to me, that's where I wanna be. I wanna live in this light of the resurrection to be filled with Jesus and to just go forth as he did proclaiming the goodness of God. Oh, that's so beautiful. And you would not know this, but my favorite reading from the Bible is the Philippians that you just shared. Yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you for that. I've saved the most important question for last, Pat, if our loyal listeners wish to purchase your book and or contact you, how can they best do so? Certainly. The book actually is available on Amazon. It's available on Barnes and Noble and of course the publisher booklocker.com. So I'm very honored that it's that accessible to people. Oh, terrific listeners. No excuse. Pick up a copy. The beauty of a soul, the story of a soul's journey in the light of God's abundant beauty. Uh, This makes a great gift for someone else as well. Uh, Certainly Easter Sunday is tomorrow, but then there's a wonderful 50 day Easter season. What a great gift this would be for friends and relatives as a way for them to celebrate uh, the Easter season. So please, please, please uh, consider doing that. And once you've brought this great book of Pat's, The Beauty of the Soul, uh, please don't remember, please remember uh, to follow us. So we're on the TikTok now, Facebook, Instagram, uh, all our social media. We love to hear from you. 
how you sharing, uh, spending your Easter, how you spent your Easter, suggestions for guests going forward, all things of that nature. So please, please uh, stay in touch with us. Uh, Pat Maley, we can't thank you enough for being our special guest today. In anticipation of Easter, would you please be so kind of close our broadcast with prayer? First of all, I just want to thank you, Brother Greg, and your audience, and uh, God bless you all. Okay, we ask you, Heavenly Father, to bless us during this Easter season, to fill us with your light and your love, and to bring us to the fulfillment of your desires for us, so that one day we can live with you for all eternity and see you as you are in your magnificence and your glory. And I ask you to bless each and every listener, all their families and friends. Bless, bless the Franciscan Brothers of Brooklyn and their ministries. Bless all those that we come in contact with day in and day out. And we thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for every gift and blessing. And we ask you, Blessed Mother, to be with us. Help us to find Jesus always in every aspect of our lives. And I ask you, Father, again, just to bless us. And we thank you for every gift. Amen. Amen. Oh, that was so beautiful. Pat, certainly from all here at Thank God for Monday, thank you, thank you, thank you. We wish you and your loved ones, uh, your grandchildren, your children, a very, very blessed, uh, happy Easter and a thank beautiful you. Easter season. And also, I just want to also mention, I know it's Passover time, so any of our Jewish friends, we wish you a very, very happy Passover as well. So great holidays and holy days for everyone. Listeners, sadly, once again, we're out of time. Brother Greg saying our hope and prayer is that when you wake up on Monday morning, just like Pat Maley does, you'll say, thank God for Monday. <laughs>